Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting edition of DraftSite.com podcast. I'm DJ Boyer, and we've got a special guest with us tonight, Shane Hallam. Hopefully he'll join us uh, from time to time throughout the season. Dun, 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 dun. I'm, I'm doing a drum roll right now. If you guys can hear that faint faint uh, background noise, that is the drum roll for Shane as he introduced himself. And go. Welcome, Shane. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm right now writing for fakepigskin.com. I, I mostly do the, the Debbie um, fantasy side, dynasty side, but uh, I've definitely been long entrenched in the NFL draft. I worked uh, for DraftCountdown.com for a long time. Um, I, I actually ran the About.com college football page for about a year. So um, the NFL draft and fantasy football kind of been my thing from the beginning in terms of uh, football. So so I love it. I'm happy to be here. I'd be always to talk draft and, and talk about some of this, these guys. That's right. We're not just bringing you anyone here. We're bringing you the best and brightest. As a matter of fact, on Tuesdays, a little earlier, this is usually when I – uh, tape my show with one of your counterparts over there. I don't know if you know uh, Kyle Robert at all out of the L.A. area, the notorious KRO, but I just did a show with him. I usually do it on Tuesday night. So, big pigskin, good place to go, everyone. Well, we're going to stop with the pleasantries, and we're just going to jump right into it right now. We are four weeks deep into the college football season. If I were to say, Shane, right now, the three things that really kind of stick out in your mind – college football season, what is, has kind of been at the forefront, or, or what do you think the big news stories are right now uh, as we're four weeks deep into the season? I, I think it's been kind of a fun season so far. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely enjoyed the, the back and forth, uh, and, and I think this early it's tough to always get a feel for, for what's going on. I mean, I, I, think, um, I think definitely a big – part of of the season so far has been the the quarterback play and I think it's been maybe um, different than some of us expected you know I think there's been some guys obviously you know for, for Alabama Tua has come out been been exceptional um, I think Jake Fromm's been up and down for Georgia some of the guys we expected uh, but you know when you have Kyle Connor Murray from Oklahoma and Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State probably the two guys leading the Heisman right now uh, coming out on fire for these big time programs kind of replacing pretty entrenched players in, in, in Baker Mayfield and JT Barrett. So I, I think that's been kind of a surprise to me is to see these, these new names kind of emerge. And, you know, Murray's not an NFL draft candidate. I think Haskins has become a major NFL draft candidate um, as Richard sophomore. So uh, I, th- I think that's been kind of my calling card for watching it. You know, I think we knew a lot of the names going in of guys that could move up the draft board, be first-round picks, Justin Herbert from Oregon, Will Greer from West Virginia, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Drew Locke from Missouri. Um, and, you know, we could talk about those guys because I think it's been up and down for some of them. But uh, I think we've had kind of these new names emerge, whether it just be in terms of college play or in terms of NFL draft prospects. So, to me, that's that's been really exciting. Um, and, and I think probably number two for me is, has been just the defensive line play in general, I think we knew it was going to be a pretty good year for this this class, and I think they've lived up to expectations. Maybe not necessarily always statistically, but uh, I think we've seen some some big time play, um, you know, from a lot of these 
these front seven prospects, and I think it's going to be a really good defensive line class. I mean, Clemson's defensive line has been phenomenal, as expected. Um, Cleveland Farrell picked up right where he left off. Uh, I think we've seen Michigan strength be their d- defensive line, and Sean Gary's played really well there. So I think a lot of the, the prospects that we kind of had taken on the board going into the season, sometimes, especially in terms of rushing the passer, you don't always get those guys living up to expectations. And this has kind of been an early season. They're living up to expectations. So uh, that's always nice to see. And I think it kind of allows you as, a, as an evaluator to say, I, I think we got some things right as a, as a community and as evaluators um, looking at the, these players. And then I think the last thing for me is, um, is really the running backs. And it's, it's been – I don't know. I've been a little bit disappointed in the running back play. Now it's been bad, but uh, I think a lot of the players that I felt like were going to break out these sophomores, you know, Cam Akers from Florida State, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, um, really have disappointed and not been as successful as I thought. Some of it's been bad offensive line play. Some of it's been some injury struggles. Some of it's been um, just just some some poor decision making. So I think we've seen some of these second year players. I and mean, Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin's played pretty well, but had a pretty easy schedule. Um, so I think that running back position is going to be one of the weaker ones in the 2019 NFL draft to begin with. Unfortunately, we lost Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma running back for the year, who is going to be one of those top prospects. Um, and we've seen a couple guys emerge. I think Miles Sanders from Penn State had such a great week last week. He's definitely put himself on the scene as a junior there. But um, as a whole, I think this running back class is pretty muddled. I think it's going to be tough to differentiate um, going forward. So I think we're going to need these next couple weeks and, and definitely the offseason to, to figure out which of these running backs are going to go highly or is it going to kind of fall back after we've had two good running back classes. Are we going to see this, this running back class kind of fall back, maybe no first-round picks, um, something like that. So I, I, I'm really interested to see how these runners do moving forward when we get into conference schedules here and see if anyone can really break out and emerge. Well, first off, i got to say if uh, Mr. Shane's going to be joining us more and more, I'm going to have to wear some gloves or something with my phone or keep this away because those are some hot takes right now, burning up the phone line right now, and whew, good stuff there. First off, I'll, I'm going to start with the quarterback to kind of pick you off back off what you said and first of all i want to thank you for using tua i'm not going to be saying that name uh where we're not going to be holding anyone responsible for samoan pronunciation of names but uh you know that was one of the big stories going in was going to be how the breakup was going to be jalen hurts is still seeing the field but it's it's becoming less and less and it's been a, a pretty seamless transition to this being Tua's team and alabama just kind of goes along and keeps doing what they're doing despite having three major injuries uh in in the a couple of the weeks leading up to their first game and uh, as the season began. Uh, one of the other big stories, I know you're an Ohio State guy, is where you went to school, but obviously right not, not long before uh, the start of the year, the whole uh, the scandal per se with Urban Meyer and, and having to sit out the first three weeks, how is that going to affect the Buckeyes? And right now it's been business as usual. Um, I believe they're second in the uh, FBS in scoring right now. They're, they're putting up points at a uh, – you know, neck-breaking pace, and Dwayne Haskins has asserted himself as uh, one of the leaders there in the Big Ten. So it's so far so good, and, of course, he's back on the sidelines. Uh, another thing, really, from a draft standpoint is, you know, we've seen the draft take off and become more and more popular year in and year out, and it's just become it's a spectacle upon itself. But you correctly alluded to the fact that this was going to be such a defensive line, tackles and ends, it's, it's just going to be loaded. 
I think right now 13 of the top 32 prospects we got on our board are along the defensive line. So uh, it's really going to be that. Uh, the interior line is big, so not necessarily the traditional skill positions. Are we still going to see the same level of interest? Because we've got some very good prospects out there, but they're in some positions that maybe have not been the strongest in, in the last few years. So I want to see if we're, we're able to kind of maintain that enthusiasm and then the, uh, the draft continues to grow. Um, and really it's kind of been a lot of the teams that were at the top last year kind of still at the top. We haven't seen too many people slip thus far. Uh, still waiting for kind of that breakout from the uh, maybe the non-five power conference school. UCF keeps on winning. Uh, Nebraska keeps losing. So uh, the, the change at the top there with Scott Frost. But I, I really, really kind of, kind of felt good about uh, Clemson, of course, and that, that, uh, that stacked defensive line. There's a possibility we could see if everybody declares, we could see all four go in the first round. That would, that would be a first. So uh, I think uh, Clemson is the most likely challenger. But, uh, you know, Georgia's got a lot to say about that. And there's still a couple teams that are kind of waiting in the wings that I still think can make some noise. So. Good, good start to the show, but I think maybe we'll, maybe we will take this kind of uh, position by position. So are you kind of in agreement right now that defensive line is really the premier kind of place to look for the draft? And if so, who's kind of standing out or who do you think maybe we haven't really heard about yet, but can, can kind of make their mark as the season goes along? I think it is, and I think especially the interior is um, is, is a dominant force right now in, in college football. And I think a lot of it, not, not to put down the talent level, because I think the talent level is high, but I do think the interior offensive line talent in college is right now really, really poor. So I, I think we might overrate, and myself included, like we're going to overrate some of these players because they're good players and they're going to make plays. Um, but then when they get in the NFL, I think they're going to face kind of a new world of interior offensive linemen. So I think that's something to try to keep in mind. It's really difficult to do. I think one of the most difficult things with scouting and trying to scout these players is that level of competition. Who are they facing? What, what are the schemes and, and how are the schemes going to differ in the NFL? Um, that, that's what's really tough. So I think that's something to keep in mind is, is um, I think some of these players who really know, you mentioned the Clemson guys, obviously, at kind of the top of their game. And, and I know that kind of the, the hot name, and I know you have him uh, going number one in your uh, new mock draft at, at draft site is Ed Oliver, the D tackle from Houston, who, you know, I, I think, I think he's a, a really, really good uh, kind of plug the hole, get some, get some penetration against the run type of defensive tackle. And definitely not a national name that, uh, that people know at this point. And, and I, you know, I, I think, I think he'll probably fall a little more, then a lot of rankings, mine included, have him just because he's not that, uh, that you know, he's not getting after the quarterback too much yet. And, and I think that that's always what pushes those defensive tackles up. But we have such a, a wide-ranging class that um, you, when you get someone like Ed Oliver that has the strength, that has the penetration ability against the run, I mean, his, his push and leverage is unbelievable. You know, those are the guys that I think the, the national media is going to have to get people into you know it's, it's really sell this draft as you kind of mentioned like it's, it's a little bit tough um to uh to do that um you know what i'll i'll give you one name of a guy that i think is is really going to emerge as the season goes on he's already had a great start to the season 
but he, he plays for Old Dominion. So not a school where you're, you're thinking, hey, this is the top 100 player going to come from the school. But uh, with five sacks already, um, O'Shane Zimenez is a defensive end from Old Dominion uh, who has been on a tear so far this season. You know, against Virginia Tech, he, he was flat-out dominant, just getting into that backfield had multiple sacks in that game. It kind of gave me pause, like, let me watch this guy. Like, he's fast. He's, he keeps his pants low off the edge. I mean, this is someone that uh, – I don't watch Old Dominion. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, not really a team that I'm, I'm going to the tape a lot or watched a lot last year. So, uh, you know, I went back, I watched – they lost their first three games. But I went back and watched, and, and he was dominant in all of those games as well, even if, uh, you know, against Liberty didn't uh, – you know, didn't get a sack or anything, but um, he was really good. So I think he's a player that could emerge if he continues to play at this level, especially against top competition, um, someone that I like a lot. And, you know, we, I mentioned a couple of the guys in, in, in the opening a little bit, but there's just there's so many to name that uh, I think are going to go in that first round, go in that top 20. And I think it's a need for a lot of NFL teams. I think a lot of NFL teams right now are struggling against um, the run, struggling to get pressure from their defensive tackles, and really when we find teams, like look at the Chicago Bears defense, everyone's talking about Khalil Mack, but you look at what um, their interior defensive line is doing against opposing offensive linemen, they're getting a lot of that pressure and collapsing that pocket, and I think that's going to become an important piece for a lot of NFL teams, and they could get that guy in this upcoming draft. Yeah, i, I got to agree with much of what you said, going back to starting with Ed Oliver. I mean, this is a guy who was a five-star recruit, chose to stay close to home, kind of uh, grew up on the farm uh, in the, the Texas area there. And, you know, he, he's definitely going to be a top-five pick. We're going to see who winds up with that top selection. But I think everyone would have to agree that Ed Oliver, and even even uh, Mr. Bosa, even though he's got that uh, core surgery that he's already undergone, I mean, he was having a tremendous start to the season. As a matter of fact, was number seven in our Heisman watch uh, list uh, with just a fantastic start. I think those were kind of the odds-on favorites, one of those two to really be one of the top uh, picks. Another one that I think has kind of flown under the radar, but the more I've really watched him, I like. And first off, thank you for uh, touting Mr. Zimenez, who we actually have at number 21 overall. We have him as a, a first-round pick uh, in our latest mock uh, going to Tennessee. Um, but Jeffrey Simmons on Mississippi State another guy who just seems to do the dirty work. He's not going to be the guy that's going to have the stats, that's going to have uh, – the two plays that you're going to see him just go in the backfield and just maul someone. But he's a guy, they, they move him around the line. It's, it's kind of interesting to see a guy at about 6'3", 305, that it's very similar to what we've seen uh, some at the NFL level, maybe a Clay Matthews or a Javon Curse that have kind of been to that, quote, joker position where they move him around the line. I mean, Simmons is, uh, you know, I see him regularly line up in three different uh, positions uh, playing at uh, Mississippi State there, and it, this really, you know, SEC play, uh, you're, you're going to, you're facing the best that there is. And, and he's just doing it at the highest level right now. I think the more scouts really see him and just, just the little things he does, the, just the dirty work and the high football IQ that he seems to display, I think he's a guy that's going to move up. And he was staying with Ohio State there. Draymond Jones, another guy who is just as athletic as they come. Just It's the explosion off the snap. We're very reminiscent of maybe a Gerald McCoy type. He just gets off the ball so quickly. Um, I think uh, Oliver's really the only one to kind of match him with that explosion right at the, at the beginning of the snap. Uh, Jones, it really, sometimes it's been taking a playoff here or there and just getting the most out of him, but he seems to be focused and uh, is, is at a high level right now. 
So I and uh, you mentioned and Rashawn Gary was mentioned, and also maybe some with with some of the attention that he garners. Chase Winovich on the other side is a guy that I think has played himself into the first round, much kind of like Taco Charlton a couple of years ago from from Michigan, who was really seen as a mid tier prospect until toward the end of the year when he had, you know moved up and I believe was 24th overall went to Dallas. Uh, Winovich in kind of that same window. Uh, doesn't a little more limited athletically, but boy, just every time you look, he's just around the ball all the time, and it's not him taking gambles. It's if he's got to keep his lane and keep his assignment, uh, that's exactly what he does. He's just hard to fool. So this is uh, the interior, the, the defensive tackle, probably to me being the strongest point in this draft. Defensive end right behind, and along the offensive line, it's a good draft. I wouldn't say it's one of the best. But center is not a, I would say, a sexy position. But right now, if you actually look at the NFL, uh, the 32 teams that started the year, right now we are uh, just going into our fourth week, and there's already seven starting centers from opening day that are that were gone this past week. So there's been some attrition there. Uh, some players are getting a little older, and this is this is a good year to kind of re-up on at, at the center position. Now there are a number of very good players that. Um, our underclassmen, centers normally, maybe we see one or two a year. It's obviously more the, the tackles, and we're seeing a little more of the guards declare. But this could be the year where maybe we see four or five centers declare, and that's something we haven't seen before. But the, I think the need is going to be there, and I think it's a little bit of a weaker senior class. So this could be, again, you don't go, ooh, my team's getting a center, and you're going to you know freak out and do jumping jacks. But uh, just the interior offensive line, I think it's really strong there. Some players like T.J. McCoy out of Florida or Connor McGovern out of Penn State, and the fact that he's playing some guard as well, showing his versatility, that these guys declare that it, it could start kind of a domino effect, and we could see, again, four or five, maybe even six centers declare, and that's something we haven't seen in years past. So I'm really excited about the offensive line. A little more about the skill position, maybe the wide receivers. We haven't talked as much about the wide receivers. Who's kind of standing out for you at this class and what are you expecting to see more of uh, as we get deeper into the season? And, and I, I think the wide receiver class is has the potential to be phenomenal um, this season. And it may not have that high end prospect. You know, it's like I don't think it has that Julio Jones, that that AJ Green. I think a lot of people want to put Ole Miss receiver AJ Brown kind of up, up on that pedestal. And I. I think he's really, really good. I think he's a potential first-round pick. I, I don't think he's going to have maybe the workout numbers that, that's really going to justify him being an elite wide receiver prospect. But I think we're going to see from that kind of second half of the first round uh, through the top 100, I think we're going to see a number of wide receivers going and, and the potential to be difference makers. Um, and Keo Hare, Harry from Arizona State, is is obviously a guy that, uh, that's gotten some publicity on, on a team that, that – plays up and down on offense, but, uh, I mean, he, he is big and fast. He has that full athletic profile, 6'4", 213, can get down the field, can be a deep threat, can go up and get the ball. You know, so I think him and A.J. Brown kind of top this class. And then I think you have a lot of players with some potential. I mean, one of my favorites that, that we got shut out this past week is Marquise Brown from Oklahoma, small, 5'10", you know, 170. But uh, he, he's, he has 4'2 speed, and if there's anything – we the NFL loves speed, so these guys end up going in the top fifty. You know, we we see the 
the Brashad Perrimans and the Dante Pettises and the Will Fullers, you know, drafted for that speed. I think Marquise Brown, who's who's having a really good year, uh, especially in those first couple games, I think mean, I think he could really move up the draft board into that second round mix, um, where a lot of people don't have him right now. So, you know, I, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I, I, I think I still I still like Kelvin Harmon uh, from NC State. I think he's a player that um, that is 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 not going to be going down the field too much. Um, but uh, I love the way he uses his size to his advantage. Um, six, three, six, four, you know, two, two fifteen. He's, he's a player that just has these big mitts and I think can has such a good catch radius and catch range that, uh, that's something that's really beneficial in the NFL. Uh, we, the quarterback needs to just get it close to you and you can make those catches. Um, but, uh, I think one of my big, I don't even know if he's a sleeper anymore, but I think one of the big players that I really like is Anthony Johnson from Buffalo, senior. Uh, I think he's – we usually have like a senior or two that goes down to the senior bowl, that has a good game, that the buzz gets going, they have a decent combine, end up getting drafted a lot higher than people think. I think it's going to be Anthony Johnson this year. It reminds me a lot of Anthony Miller, who the, the Bears drafted last year, uh, just as a player that kind of does everything well, seems to get open, seems to get separation, even on a team like Buffalo – in the MAC that, that that's not producing, you know, great quarterback talent or great talent around him, um, he seems to always be able to compete with with the best. So I think Anthony Johnson's a player to not forget about um, in all this. And I keep going. I I got a list for for days. I'm sure you do too. But uh, I think there's so many receivers, and I think, you know, I, I don't know. It's tough to really peg how teams are going to identify that because um, I think there are teams that need, especially depth wise need a lot more receivers. We're seeing a lot of these receivers get older, maybe closer to retirement age. So I think we're going to see some teams take some chances on receivers early in the 2019 draft. Yeah, and then, then starting uh, building upon what you said about A.J. Brown, it's going to be interesting as well because we've heard that he's going to play more than just a slot this year. I haven't really seen too much of that yet. So is he really just a one-trick pony? Will he be as high on a lot of teams' draft boards? Maybe they're not looking for a slot guy. Maybe they're looking for a guy on the outside. And, of course, he looks the part. He's, he makes big plays. Uh, just always seems to be a threat to take it to the house all the time. But right now, I mean, find me tape where he's not in the slot. It, it's hard to do. I mean, he's, he's there 99% of the time. So maybe he's a little bit of a one-trick pony there. Uh, Marquise Brown, glad you brought that name up because that was someone that I was going to get into. Really like Amon Richards as well. Now, he's coming off an injury last year uh, from Miami, but very productive as a freshman broke pretty much every receiving record at Miami as a freshman. They had some very good uh, wide receivers in the past, players like Michael Irvin, Andre Johnson. They put up big numbers early, and he broke just about every record there was. Uh, kind of eased in toward the, the, the end of last season, uh, again, coming back from injury. Uh, Miami struggled a little bit on offense, but uh, when he gets the ball, he seems to uh, uh, know what to do with it. He just has the look uh, kind of already – Maybe maybe put on a little bit of weight, but it just has the NFL look to him. But uh, sometimes as well, you know, something that we really pride ourselves on at DressSide.com is, is following, uh, really keeping our eye on the small school talent. We do a very good job of evaluating those players from the FCS and beyond level. Uh, look at a player like Keelan Cole that we had out of Kentucky Wesleyan. We had as our number two uh, wide receiver. Uh, goes, goes undrafted and look, he's pretty much the primary target with the, the injury to Marquise Lee there in Jacksonville. So there, there's always those players to be found and there's some good diamonds in the rough per se. 
from the small schools I, I want to make mention of as well. Phelan Doss out of Cal Davis, that's a guy I think he's got second round written all over him. you got a, a bigger target in Emmanuel Butler out of northern Arizona. Um, he's put up some big numbers in the past. Uh, he actually has a pair of 200-yard games against FBS opponents. Davion Davis, a little bit smaller from Sam Houston State, but the Sam Houston State always has a player to every draft. Uh, they're just one of these schools that seems to develop NFL-caliber talent, and if it's not someone right out of the gate, they, they, they're kind of the kings of those. We're going to put someone on a practice squad for a year or two, and then by the third, fourth year, they're contributing to their team. Maybe not stars, but they're making a solid contribution. Uh, Sam Houston State has cranked out some really good prospects over the years, so this is a position where I think uh, the smaller schools uh, have some have some players that you really got to watch. It's not just the big programs. There's definitely some gems in this draft uh, from the FBS and beyond level. Uh, just a, a couple more uh, little things here before we kind of wrap up the first show because we just feel like uh, we're going 100 miles an hour because there's so much to touch on with the start of the year here. But um, things that you how how you think the rest of this year might play out. Maybe some maybe the teams that you think are going to wind up in the college football playoff. Um, something that we could uh, maybe see more of or what you expect. And I'm just going to start with one thing um, just to kind of get the ball rolling here. So much has been made with the NFL and the new rules and the uh, targeting and obviously uh, the defensive players hitting, hitting the quarterbacks. And targeting, that was kind of picked up in college first. I thought we were going to see more of those major calls. We haven't really seen – I don't think an egregious amount at the uh, college level, like we have at the NFL level right now. It has played a role in a few games, but for the most part, I think the referees are getting it right for the most And I, I think college has kind of settled in. Second or third year we've seen this. They're, they're starting to adapt to that a little more. So I was expecting a little more chaos with that, but I kind of like the way that it's been. And, and I think the defenders at the college level have done a pretty good job thus far. You know, I would agree with you, and I think it just takes time. Because I remember when this kind of first started at the college level, um, there there was a lot of uproar, not as bad as the NFL, just because the you know the viewership's so spread out and and uh, and all that. But I remember guys getting ejected for you know targeting that, that didn't really seem like it, and they didn't know how to review that, and and but they wouldn't take away the penalty even if it wasn't. You know, there's was a lot of issues, and they worked through those issues a couple years in. I think we found a nice middle ground. I think it's going to help at the NFL level too, right? And now college coaches are coaching that. Um, and, and, and I think it's it's being coached more in youth football too, not that it has in the past, but I think there's a bigger emphasis. And, and now that you see it, hey, the college level, the pro level, we need to kind of tackle the right way. Um, so, so I think we'll see this effect down the line with the NFL. It'll be a ripple effect. Um, as long as, you know, people don't cry out too much now or the NFL doesn't uh, uh, kind of instantly react and, and take things away. I think if they just kind of ride it out and try to make it better and make the rules better, things will, will get better over time. Yeah, and, and uh, also to, to start kind of the discussion for who we might see as this Final Four, I think right now you, you just can't forget about Alabama. But there were really two, excuse me, two teams that we had, at football.com, it kind of said, look out, these could be the teams to watch out for. The first one laid an egg before getting in the win column this week, and that was Purdue. And I think uh, with David Blau being hurt, uh, obviously the quarterback position, some untimely turnovers, they were in a lot of those games, but losing that heartbreaker 
Well, I think they really outplayed Northwestern in the first week. Took a, took a while for them to get off the schneid. So we swung and missed at that one, but the, our other one was Kentucky. And by golly, I think we've got that one. Now, 4-0 out of the gate. They have another big uh, game this week. But Kentucky, and uh, they've got some very good prospects there. Benny Snell at running back, Landon Young, pretty good offensive tackle. Sneaky's a team. Uh, but I, I still think that Alabama is the, the cream of the crop there in the SEC. You know, everything seemed to be there for Wisconsin, but Alex Hornibrook has really not stepped up and made the adjustment, or really gotten to that next-level quarterback, made the, the time return now. He did get the big touchdown late against Iowa to lead them to a victory, but that's only going to help a player like Jonathan Taylor, who I picked as my preseason favorite in the Heisman, uh, with that, you know, immense line and, you know, three All-Americans on the offensive line in front of him. But, uh, you know, I, I, right now you I, you got to like Ohio State and the way that has to be playing. I think right now that uh, Ohio State, to me, is a, is a team that I think would kind of lock it up and get in there right now. Um, if there's any team from the outside, for me, that I think could sneak in, I think it's going to be West Virginia. I don't necessarily think they're maybe one of the three or four best teams there, but if they're able to run the table, they, they seem to have a lot of their team games seem to be at home. Uh, Will Greer, I think, is, is poised to – right now he's number one on a Heisman countdown just because with Gary Jennings and David Sills, I mean, this, this guy's got the receiving combo to make it happen. And, you know, Oklahoma's shown a little bit of kink in the armor there, even though Kyler Murray's played very well. This is a baseball prospect, first-rounder of the days. But I think that if West Virginia can get by Oklahoma, it's kind of set up that maybe they make a run and maybe West Virginia sneaks in there. I think if there's any team outside of those powerhouses that are set up to maybe kind of crash the party, I think it's the Mountaineers. So I'd be interesting to hear your assessment on your final four. There's a dark horse out there. Who do you like? Look, I think I think Alabama's by far the best team in the country. Uh, you know, it, they actually have a quarterback, and so we've never seen Alabama with a legitimate quarterback. I think that that's uh, just can play like this, and they're just dropping sixty points a game. So they're up to the top. I do think Ohio State is is the best team in I think a week Big Ten, um, and we've already seen Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, go down and, uh, you know, Penn State go into overtime. Um, so, so with App State. So I think Ohio State. And, and to build on that, you think, you think Penn State has anything for Ohio State this week? Uh, look, I, I, I think they're going to put up a fight, especially in Happy Valley. You know, the whiteout's going to be going, and those, and those fans are insane. So, uh, it, look, it's not a possibility that uh, that that Miles Sanders runs for a buck fifty, and Ohio State goes down this week, and that's the end of that. You know, but um, but I think with the Big Ten this year, I think you, you better run the table. You know, I, I think I think it, for for them to have a team in the Final Four that. Um, their team has to run the, the conference. So if, if Penn State beats Ohio State, I think it'll be very difficult for OSU to get back in. So uh, you know, e- even the winner from that game could really emerge um, here. And uh, you know, I, th- I think UCF gets in. I think this is the year. If, if they go undefeated again, I, I don't think you can keep them out, right? Unless you have four undefeated, you know, FBS, you know, big big power conference teams. Um, I think UCF is in if they win out and. I think they're playing really, really good football again. And I, I kind of thought, eh, you know, after last year, they lost some guys and some big NFL talent. They're not going to be as good. But so far, um, so good. And, and looking at their schedule, I think this is a team that's going to run the table again. And I, I think they'll creep them up as they have to. 
Um, so, you know, probably those three. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I like Oklahoma, but they're going to they're gonna drop a game somewhere. Um, so I'm sure we'll see another SEC team if, if Georgia or LSU, you know, loses a game or, or two. It might not be the end of the world for them. But my, my kind of sleeper team is, uh, is Cal. I, I think Cal's playing some really good football, um, beating BYU, which is, which is a very tough game. Uh, they beat North Carolina. They have a good young football coach. Um, I think they have an offensive system that's really working for the talent they have. So it's kind of a sleeper team that um, isn't super talented. I don't think they have a ton of NFL talent, but I think they're playing above their talent level is, uh, is Cal this year. And I think they can keep some, keep some games close and maybe pull some upsets in the Pac-12 this year. Well, the Pac-12 is always wide open. That's a conference where sometimes even two losses is going to get you in their championship game there. They just tend to beat up on each other a lot. Now, it's interesting, but the, the, the Stanford comeback against Oregon, if they're able to actually beat Notre Dame, that really puts them in a good position. But, again, another team that just seems to implode at times. They always play a very hard schedule, but uh, just sometimes they, they lose some of those head scratchers and games they shouldn't. Even though I love David Shaw, I really think right now, if you were to tell me, or if I were to tell you, you know, if there's one coach that I could take from the college ranks and put him into the NFL if he wanted to make the move, I really think it could be David Shaw. I really think he's an underrated coach at the collegiate level. Always enjoying, you know, us knowing the draft. Does a fantastic job when he's doing draft analysis. When they have him on uh, uh, on an NFL Network, does a very good job. So Stanford to kind of watch out there, there for as well, but Pac-12, they just always seem to beat each other up. So don't know if they're going to get anybody in. And Washington really needed that game against Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn, they've got the, the, the toughest schedule, I think, outside of the SEC. The, the toughest non-conference schedule in the country statistically belongs to Auburn. So they, I think, could have had a little more to lose. Or they, they could have lost that game and still been okay, but Washington really needed that. So even though they were competitive, I think that really hurt the Husky chances, if they're able to still do well and win the Pac-12, I think people are going to go back to that uh, loss against Auburn. I think that's really going to hurt them in the end. So, oh, but overall, I'm going to say, wow, this is a heck of a first show. We've got a, we got through a lot. Hopefully we get to do this every, you know, every two, three weeks or so and get something up there. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope, uh, hope we, hope we're, we're going to have you for a lot more show, Shane. You really brought a lot to the table. So, uh, anything else you want to plug or, uh, You've got the, your final take here for like the last minute or so. Take it away. Appreciate you having me on. So it's always fun. It's fun to talk draft again. It's kind of been been a while. But uh, go to fakepigskin.com. You can check out my work. I do a, a kind of a devy stock up, stock down, uh, you know, player that I think helped themselves in the draft process and for fantasy and the player that's hurt themselves at the college level. Um, so keep keep following that. And you can always follow me on Twitter, at Shane P. Hallam, S-H-A-N-E-P-H-A-L-L-A-M. Um, and I'll be happy to answer questions that you have about the, about the draft, about fantasy, whatever. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's definitely fun uh, being on. I hope you'll bring me back. Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, I was actually uh, on the pro level, got to see the uh, Broncos-Ravens uh, game this past week, and I think the next time will be week six, get some uh, Eagles and, uh, Eagles and uh, Panther action going on. But I'm going to have to lean on you and some other counterparts. I'm gonna, it's going to be a little later for me to get my – college stuff this week i'm actually uh going to be going down to north carolina getting my redneck on and going to the nascar race on sunday so uh 
be a little bit of a different sport experience, but I always do one or two of those a year. But, uh, again, follow uh, week every week. We have our Fierce 40 poll. We don't do the top 25. We do the awesome Fierce 40. It's been very popular over the years. Heisman, Heisman rankings uh, week in and week out. And, again, we've got uh, every position broken down. And right now, uh, Mock Draft 5.0 is five rounds. So 6.0, I guess you're going you're gonna to see a theme here. It's going to be six rounds, seven. Obviously, we get the 7.07 rounds. And then 8.0, where we put an extra round on where we're already kind of putting 32 extra picks out there for future compensatory picks. And obviously, when those are slotted, when we get closer to draft time, slide them into their where they should be. But um, in the early stages before those are announced, we have seven rounds. Then we have that eighth round as kind of compensatory picks. So when we get to 8.0, we'll add it there and then, Every version there on out is going to be a full mock draft. So a lot of sites don't even have mock drafts now or ones that do one, two rounds at best. But we've already got it broken down to five rounds. Uh, love for you to be involved more and more. So uh, on behalf of Shane, we want to say uh, have a have a great evening, everyone. We'll be back in a few weeks. And uh, there'll be much more to talk about here at uh, Draft Site. Thank you very much, guys. See you over a month. It doesn't matter.